Welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Dr. Joni Cannell shares communication strategies for technical people. She shares her own stories of learning to communicate and brings in other nerds and experts to show you how to interact with people in a way that's comfortable for you. And now, here's your host, the uniquely qualified engineer-turned-psychologist, Dr. Joni Cannell. Hello and welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Today we have a really special guest for a special time of year too, as we're entering the holiday season. Keith Mangold is a senior manager of IT applications at Make-A-Wish Foundation. His passion is finding the right technology for organizations and helping improve their processes through innovative and new ideas. Now, as much as he likes playing with new gadgets and technologies, his specialty is making the tech work for the organization's needs. Today, we'll hear Keith talk about his IT management journey, how he landed his dream job at Make-A-Wish Foundation, and how he's able to be both an IT manager and a jazzercise instructor. I am very pleased to welcome our uniquely qualified and exceptionally well-rounded nerd to the show. Welcome, Keith. Thank you, Joni, for having me. What a, what a great, fun introduction. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm so pleased that you're on the show. And um, it's so interesting to our listeners and viewers that, you know, well, this is a, a show about nerds, but um, it's funny because as my jazzercise instructor, I consider you one of the least nerdy people I know. <laughs> the, the, the nerd and the computer stuff rips off and you just dance and have fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I had a tiny glimpse during the lockdown uh, when we all went online and you were the instructor that had the best tech. <laughs> so I was yep. like, oh, he knows his tech. Um, but it wasn't until you actually said that you landed your dream job at Make-A-Wish in IT. I was like, whoa, I had no idea. So um, I'd, like to, I'd like to ask you a little bit about that journey. I'm really curious, and I'm sure Absolutely. others are too. So, I mean, we'll get to Make-A-Wish in just a moment. But first, tell us about your passion for technology and when you first knew you wanted to go into IT. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm one of those nerds that that buys everything new the day it comes out, right? You know, I was that that person that stood in line that very first day that the iPhone came out, you know, waited mm -hmm. 16 hours in line. I'll never forget that, you know, in North Carolina, it was cold and rainy out and I was standing in line there. But I'm always that that person that likes to play with a new gadget, like like my TV. I have every single, I have the Fire TV, I have the Google TV, I have the Apple TV, because I want to play with it. I, I want to see what it does. I want to see what I like better, what what works best for me in my living, right? And that's where, like, you know, I think about back in the day, I can go way back in because I'm a storyteller, but just with my parents and the first computer that I got you know, was, hey, here's this computer. They had no clue how it worked. I had no clue how it works, right? And I got the thing and I broke it. And I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? I just broke this $2,500 thing. Right. Basket, you know? And you're like, how am I going to fix this without, you know, getting whooped by my parents, right? You know, and you're like, okay, I, I can figure this out, right? You know, and so it's it was that journey of troubleshooting. It was that mm -hmm. journey of not being scared about technology, right? It was, I don't know how this works. I, I don't know what this button does, or I don't know what this program does, right? But you get it and you figure it out. And, and, and that to me is that fun part of that journey of technology in general, where you, if you stop learning, 
then you're, you're going to stop advancing your own skills. You're going to stop advancing, you know, uh, what, what technology is going to do for you. Don't let it stop, you know? And so that's where I like to always play with the latest gadget. My, my newest gadget that I just got. A Tesla. What is it? A te- a Tesla. <laughs> that is my newest gadget. And like, you know, I'm like, I read all the blogs. I listen to podcasts about like what to do, how to do. And I can't wait to play with full self-driving where I just let it drive me home, you know? So um, that's that drive of technology that I always have. And now that I can do it in the car is even better. Right. So well, I can picture you getting the new tech, the new gadget and playing with it while the car is driving you home. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I could absolutely do that. So, yeah, that's a little oh. freaky because I'm a little scared about it. At least at least the full self-driving part of that. But most technology doesn't scare me. So, yeah, I don't know if that's the, the tech as much as the the other cars on the road, right? It, it is. Yeah, you know, I'm finding myself, I was telling somebody the other day that I'm, I'm kind of a little bit more uh, hyper care when I have the car in autopilot mode. Mm. You know, like you're driving down the road, you're, you know, we've all done it, cars and cruise control, you got your hand on the wheel, you're paying attention, but you're kind of not paying attention, right? You know, just in normal driving, right? You can like mm-hmm. zone out, you can think right. about your day, you can think about what's for dinner, mm. et cetera, right? When I put the Tesla into autopilot, I'm paying more attention to the road at that time than when I'm normally driving. Cause you're like, okay, is it going to handle what that person is doing? Right. You know? Yeah. And so, so you, you, it, it's a different driving now where I'm actually mm-hmm. paying more attention to everything around me and all my senses are elevated when the car is doing that. And so that's kind of what technology does for me. It's, it's challenging me, challenging me in that aspect of saying, Hey, trust it. Right. Because it in theory can respond quicker than what I can, but I don't trust that yet. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like, it's going to take that time, even for me as a nerd that loves playing with every new thing to trust it. Cause it's, it's different than an Apple TV or it's different than the new iPhone. Right. It's right. not endangering your life. Right. Yeah. So this is, that's where kind of Tesla is a little bit different in that aspect. So, well, you know, you raise a really good point. I mean, as we're moving forward and technologies advancing more and in, into different parts of our lives, uh, this is the kind of uh, person we want experimenting with it, trying it out, being vigilant and making sure that it meets the needs, which is what you love to do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like my parents, I, I picked them up from the airport a couple of weeks ago and it was their first time in it. And my dad and mom are like, <laughs> nope, nope, never. We're never going <laughs> to own this. You guys figured out, you know, by the <laughs> and that's yeah. okay. I want to figure it out. I want to help make that technology better. And, and safer and, you know, more useful for generations to come. So. Well, that is excellent. I mean, I hear you finding it just so exciting to have this car because of the tech, not necessarily just the status, you know, some people mm-hmm. will buy it for that. So yeah. you're really, you really got the nerd streak going there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what is it that you do at Make-A-Wish Foundation and, and why is it your dream job? Yeah. So uh, at Make-A-Wish, I'm the senior manager of IT applications. Uh, in our national office, we have several hundred employees. And then throughout the nation, we have several, several thousands of employees across the different chapters. Mm-hmm. And uh, the different applications that we uh, use in the organization, I oversee, you know, the, our financial application that the organization uses. I oversee our different fundraising applications that we use for people to, to do fundraising to, for our different chapters to, uh, 
have events and collect money for that specific event. And so all of those different tools, I'm say all, um, but many of those different tools that we use to support our fundraising, to support our financial aspect, to support our brand and marketing, to support our human resources, uh, you name it, those applications come across my desk for uh, what is the right tool to use, is it being supported correctly? Does it have all the features that it needs to vendor management to implementing that tool across the board? Mm -hmm. um, so I see all those different applications and find ways to, when we hear from our different volunteers, we hear from our chapter representatives in terms of, hey, I need a report that does this. I need to get this information out. Uh, I work with the different teams in those chapters to say, okay, here's, here's how we're gonna get that data out of that system. Here's how we're going to make the technology work for you. Uh, one of the big things that we have right now is this major transformation of uh, putting in Salesforce. We have this old system today for managing all of our donors and our constituents and our volunteers. And so we're going through this huge transformation right now to put in Salesforce and put it also all in a nice new web interface with new ways to track, new ways to make it easier for the doctors when they're uh, doing uh, the medical eligibility to, you know, to the volunteers so that they can connect better with the, the wish kids so they can be better connect with the uh, finance teams for submitting expenses, et cetera. So finding a way to connect all of that data um, is part of my job. And that's a big function that I do to, hey, get all these different systems that each have their specialty and make them talk together a little bit better. Wow. That, I mean, that's just fascinating. I mean, uh, cause there's so many different angles that you have to pull mm -hmm. together to make this work. Yes. Yeah. And, and a thousand different people that I have a, th a thousand and one different ways that they want it to work mm -hmm. for them. Right. Oh, one of the yeah. really neat things about make a wish is, is so we have the national office, mm -hmm. but um, the national office supports our chapters. Our customers are our chapters. We, we're not a wish granting side of the organization. Mm -hmm. So we have like the San Diego chapter or the Los Angeles chapter, or the New York chapter, you name it. They are their own independent entity that they can basically run their nonprofit any way that they see fit. They have certain guidelines and rules and best practices that, that they follow, um, but they can do things their own way. So we might have the San Diego chapter that wants to use another one piece of application or a piece of software to, to do fundraising or, or host an event, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then New York wants to do it a slightly different way, right? And so there's all these different mm -hmm. ways. And, and it's part of the national aspect is how can we find a consistent way to, mm -hmm. to marry that technology together? How can we cater to all the needs of our different customers, which is the chapters from the national level? Oh, yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's like customer centric uh, development. It sounds like, you know, a lot of exactly. what you're dealing with. Yeah. Hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Well, one of the reasons I was just so excited to have you on my show is because so many of the tech leaders that I'm working with right now, they're struggling to hire and retain talent mm -hmm. and they're complaining that they just can't keep up with, you know, the Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. um, big companies and the salaries and all that. But I keep talking to them about there's more to a job and more reasons for somebody to join a company. And um, the mission of the company has a lot to do with it. And I would love for you to tell us a little bit about the mission of Make-A-Wish and how it attracts talent. 
and, and yeah, anything so, else too that, uh-huh. that attracts the talent. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so the the mission of Make a Wish, you know, the the textbook description is to create life changing wishes mm-hmm. for children with critical illness. Right. That that is our mission. That's what every day, every email I send, every meeting I have is what are we doing today and how am I doing it now to make it easier to grant a wish to a kid faster, easier, cheaper, right? You know, Mm -hmm. how can we grant as many wishes as possible in as short as time as possible to get to those kids, to to bring that joy Mm -hmm. to every single eligible child that, that, is going through the journey in their life that, that we can be a small little piece of that to bring them that joy. And, you know, part of how, why I got involved with make a wish was just during, during COVID my last place, long story short, furloughed for a while needed something mm-hmm. to do instead of staring at TikTok and Netflix. Right. Yeah. Started working at a local San Diego startup nonprofit uh, that was delivering groceries to senior citizens. And, mm-hmm. and that's what it was. And, um, I, I was delivering groceries and then other long story got involved in a little car accident. So I couldn't deliver groceries. So I started working in the, the office, packing the groceries. Then I was not being as efficient with packing those groceries. And I was like, man, th- this piece of paper that we're <laughs> filling out, it's not fast enough. And <laughs> these drivers are going 30 different spots to deliver mm-hmm. the groceries and it's not there. Right. You know? And I was like, how can I make this better? So I wanted, I, I created this little software application that managed all this stuff for this little <laughs> local nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd come home every day, like, okay, I got to work on this program. I had this drive because what I was doing was creative with coming up with solutions with technology to make this better. Mm-hmm. But the more important part was I knew at the end of the day, what I was doing was making the world a better place. I was helping these senior citizens get groceries for free, right? Mm-hmm. That they were struggling. They were scared to leave their house. They didn't have the capabilities and, and their kids were locked down maybe somewhere else, right? And, and couldn't deliver or couldn't get their groceries. And I felt that need that, I don't say that need, even I'm gonna take that back. I, I had that desire where that I was thriving for that real feel good at the end of every single day. And I was like, mm-hmm. I can go to sleep tonight knowing that what I'm doing is helping the world be a better place. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not delivering the groceries anymore, I'm helping that volunteer, right? right? That I'm helping that volunteer get those groceries to that senior citizen a little bit quicker, a little bit faster, right? And so because of that, when, when I went back to my regular full-time job, when we were you know, opening mm-hmm. back up a little bit more, mm-hmm. I was like, eh. I'm working for the big man. I'm working for some guy yeah. sitting in Texas, driving his Tesla because he wants it for status, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, eh, I didn't find that joy in that anymore, right? And so that's where I started looking for what out there could I do? And I didn't know I was going to go into the nonprofit world, um, but I saw this job posting for Make-A-Wish and I was like, you know what? I have the skills that this position needed. I had the background, I had the experience, I had the desire, I had the strength to do this, right? Um, and man, I can make these kids happy. Even though I'm not gonna be a wish grantor, whole different topic, um, but I'm not gonna do that through my day-to-day job, but it's 
going to help make the volunteers' lives better. It's going to help make the organization better. It's going to help make these kids better, right? And so that to me is where this became that dream job where I get to use the tech stuff. I get to use the nerd stuff. I get to find that new technology. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's helping. Yeah. And that's how, for me, that's how Make-A-Wish was able to retain my talent because of the mission, right? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a product, right? I mean, our product that we do is Granting right. Wishes. That product is, um, and, and man, I, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to even use that terminology of the product of the wish, but that's what we do, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, our, that's our end output, right? Um, is that, that granting those wishes um, is our focus. And so how can I best support that mission in the process? And that's where I was like, you know what? I want to go to work and not go to a job. I want to go to a place where I can give back. And Make-A-Wish is great at doing that. And so that's where it was a shift for me from the pay that yes, in the private industry, always higher, right? You know, to, hey, my heart has changed through COVID because you've seen how people have come together. You've seen how people have had to adapt. How can I do that? How can I be part of that process? Well, you know, I think that there's a bunch of reanalysis going on of of people's lives. I mean, that's one of the things that has come out of this pandemic. I mean, if there are any silver linings, right. But Mm -hmm. uh, people are starting to say, um, I want to do something that's, that's better or Mm -hmm. uh, for myself or for the world. And you just gave a great example of how to make that shift and, and how, you can be a part of a mission, even if you're not at the end, you know, working with customers or uh, the children or the senior citizens or whoever it is that you're working with, but your back ends, you know, you're, you're creating something that can really help. Yeah, exactly. You know, and one of the things too, for me was when I was looking at a job postings was I wanted to be behind a product that I, that I could live and breathe and support. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that became really important for me. There was a couple other things I was looking at when I was looking at the, at the make a wish position, there was a product owner role at another company that had a really neat product. I was like, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I can get behind that. Right. You know, and then you look at the next company and say, okay, that's cool. They create whatever product, you know, parking meter things. You're like, okay, <laughs> cool. Right. I'm not behind it, right? Like right. I didn't have a passion for that. That wasn't something that I would use or, mm-hmm. or see that drive in my heart mm-hmm. with. And so that's what I focused on. And, and, mm-hmm. I, and when I'm interviewing candidates, we have several positions open now um, in, in Make-A-Wish in the IT department. And when I'm interviewing candidates, I'm not always looking for 100% of the skill, right? Skill, you can train a lot of things. Maybe you don't have, you don't check all 50 boxes, yeah. right? Maybe you, maybe you check, 45 of them, maybe check 30 of them, right? Okay. You know, mm-hmm. of that skill that we need. But I can train for those other missing things, but I want that candidate that is going to be that great cultural fit that, mm-hmm. that has that drive that we have at Make-A-Wish um, and any organization to say, hey, I can be behind what it is we're, we're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the other reasons people leave jobs and, and take jobs is because of the manager. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I see a lot of people leaving now. Cause I mean, one of the top reasons that, you know, has been recorded over and over again in research is people leave because of a bad boss, or at least their perception of what is a bad boss. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, clearly you're a good boss, you're a good manager. <laughs> I know I you have great be. people skills. <laughs> you, you care about people and all that, but uh-huh. I would, uh, I would like you to talk a little bit about your management style and how you developed your management skills. So let's, um, let's start with, you know, how you interact with people. I mean, one of the things you've been talking about all this time is you aspire to have people look at things from different viewpoints. And mm-hmm. you even say, uh, I've said previously that the, your least favorite words are, that's the way we've always done it. You're looking for innovation. You know, how do you get people to get on board and shift gears and be open to new ways of doing things? So through many, many, many sessions of therapy, right? You <laughs> okay, know, <yeah. laughs> I, I found that I can't change other people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think a big piece of that comes through changing myself, right? Which is, yes, I might have a way that something I've always done or somebody's doing something a way that they've always done. And in order to get them to change, um, I don't even say get them to change and to, to hope that they change or maybe open their mm-hmm. eyes is to make sure I have just as equally, if not more open eyes. Mm-hmm. I want to hear why they are doing things that the way that they have always done it. I want to understand that. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, that's my favorite phrase, you know, or my least favorite phrase. Well, that's the way we've always done it. So it didn't work. So just keep it that way. <laughs> right. Like absolutely aggravating to me, but mm-hmm. oftentimes there's value. I mean, the, Many times there's right. very strong value in that. So let's let me step back and really drill into why is that always working so well? What is going good about that? Why didn't I know that? If it's working so good, let me open my eyes to mm-hmm. understanding that practice and that process or that software. And, and, and that's why. And I think with that, for me, it's having that open mind myself. I am able to ask the questions that causes them to ask questions further, right? They might say that that's the way it's always been done. That's always worked that way. And just by me simply asking those questions gets them to think and say, well, we could change it that way because that might be a little bit better, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't have all the ideas. I don't have most of the ideas, right? Because if they're the person that's in that process and that practice, they're that, that SME that you, you trust and you want them mm-hmm. to know that, right? So let's find and encourage ways for them to think outside the box, to know that that's not the only way to do it, to say, mm-hmm. maybe it's really just, you just haven't put the energy and effort behind it. And mm-hmm. now's our time and now's our driver to do that. So yeah. for me as, as a manager, it's, finding those opportunities for say, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll tackle that one a little bit later. Let's leave it the way that we've always done mm-hmm. it. Right. But this one, this change we're going to make, whether it's a software change or a process change, but let's dig into that one right now. And, and let's, let's have an open mind as terms of what, what we can change about that if we need to change it. And that's the important thing is the, the if, right? Not everything has to change. Some things are really good that the way they are, you know? And so, um, but me liking to find technology, liking to find the new ways of doing things and keeping that open mind challenges that just simply by mm-hmm. asking questions. Mm-hmm. And I think that as, as a manager, that's how I've grown heavily 
is by asking more questions than it is actually providing right. more direction, right? Yeah. If they come to me, if it's one of my employees comes to me and says, hey, how am I going to do this? Yeah, we'll work together and I'll say, yeah, make, make, handle that or, you know, whatever way, right? I'll, I'll give that direction. Um, tasks, projects, you got to do all that kind of stuff, right? But when it comes to the bigger picture of things, it's, it's really about listening, engaging, and, uh, and, and making sure that my mind is just open to the ideas just as much as they are. Yeah. Some of the words that I would use that um, I think I'm hearing what you're saying that like in terms of, I don't know, the way I uh, look at things differently from a leadership perspective would be curiosity. Mm-hmm. You're talking about you're curious, you're um, asking the questions and you have empathy. You mm-hmm. want to hear and understand their perspective, right. uh, which I thought was huge, right? Because that also, first of all, if you're trying to uh, talk about change, you're immediately taking away people's defensiveness, right? If you're mm-hmm. trying to understand and, and see the value that they um, see. And, and then the third one is flexibility. You're like, well, mm-hmm. we don't have to change it. Let's see what the best solution really is for this time and, and remaining open to um, actually not changing. And that's, I don't often hear that. So that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, all of those things combined, you, you can't just focus on any one of them, right? You, you, and I think part of that too, is also knowing and learning about who you're communicating with and how they communicate. Mm-hmm. You know, I have one employee A to employee B, right? Two completely different people, two completely different communication, communication styles that you have to learn and understand how it is they respond to your mm-hmm. questions. And maybe you have to, maybe you have to do your, your questions through a thousand emails, right? Because they like to look at the email. They like to process it. They like to think through it, right? But the next person you get to can boom, boom, give you the responses right away. And mm-hmm. so that too is how you learn, you know, how your team members work and, and how different people, you, you just can't go in and say, we're going to bulldoze the situation and we're going to make change yeah. better, right? Yeah. You know, so you, you have to adapt to what, to what mm-hmm. that person is in, in the different, mm-hmm. in the different uh, stakeholders in your process. Yeah. I love it. That you said the bulldoze. I've seen so many people run into trouble because of that. Mm-hmm. They're just driving, driving it through. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, I want to ask you about something else too. I mean, we're talking about making change because that's one of the things you love to do um, and also appreciating not changing. Um, but what about managing teams? I'm curious what, what you bring is like some of your natural strengths or what do you think is, you know, sort of your natural way of, um, leading uh, people and what you've had to do to learn some of those skills? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll say for, for, for leading teams, um, I kind of think that one of the things I really like to do is take out the work aspect, especially in a work team, right? Wow. Okay. Great. Yeah. Yes. We have work to do mm-hmm. as, as a group, we are striving towards completing a project, mm-hmm. Right. Um, I consider myself a very warm person. So I want to get to know the people. Mm. And I, and I feel that when we take out the work aspect of what we're doing and we remind each other that, that we are humans, all with cares and needs inside and outside of work, that by doing that and creating those friendships, I'm not expecting everybody to best friends with everybody else, Mm -hmm. but when you build those connections like hey Matt he loves hockey and we all pitch in to cheer Matt on because we know he has a hockey game mm-hmm. next week right you know and we all wake up in the morning and say hey Matt how'd your hockey game go last night 
that to me builds the team to where when Matt needs something, he's going to go to Pam and say, Hey, Pam, how I need help with this. Right. Yeah. And Pam's going to have that care and say, Hey, how'd your hockey game go last night? Right. You know, or sorry. I, oh, I'm, oh, that sucks. You lost whatever. Right. Yeah. And so to me, team building goes beyond just the skills. It's those soft people skills, mm-hmm. right. You know, it's, it's, it's putting that human connection to the work that we have to do. And so that's what I like. That's how I do that. Um, You know me from class, you know me from standing on stage, making stupid jokes, having fun, (laughs) saying things that come out of my mouth that maybe shouldn't have come out of my mouth (laughs) and just having fun with it, right? And how can I forget about the work that has to be done and focus on the fun that we have while we're doing that? And that's how I like to build my team in that way, it's probably a very un- unconventional way to do it. You know, it's, it, it's not all hoorah, we're going to, you know, kick butt and do this all together, right? You know, um, it's hoorah, you care about those that you're working with, because yeah. then you'll have that stronger drive to work together, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, like you said, even if you're not best friends, you still care about each other as mm-hmm. people and as colleagues and coworkers and yeah. uh, people who you can help and they can help you and just get some support at the workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Definitely. That, yeah. I mean, this is so important to remember the human mm-hmm. side of work. So, it, you know, especially in tech, it's so easy to just focus in on the, mm-hmm. the technology, right? And, and yes. you're at a computer all day and you forget that there are people on the other mm-hmm. side of them, you know, like communicating. So I, I have a metric to hit. I have certain lines of code I need yes. to write, or I have certain amount of tickets I need to troubleshoot through mm-hmm. today. Right. You know, Yes, we have those things you have to do. You still have to get your job done, mm-hmm. right? But at the end of the day, you want to be able to lean on other people for, for the assistance when you need it. Yeah, huh? That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine you're going to get a lot of calls after this show since you have <laughs> open recs, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. If we have a few. To... We have a few. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I have another question though, because I mean, I, I know you, like you said, as a jazzercise instructor, and I'm just curious how those two different sides of you work together. I mean, teaching exercise and dancing and on stage versus work. I mean, maybe you sort of explained a little bit of it, but I'm wondering, you know, how you see yourself. Is this like two Keiths, like morning and night or or daytime, (laughs) or are you the same person throughout? You know, I, I, I think I'm pretty much the same person throughout. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, can get in front of a room and a work presentation and just have fun, kind of make a fool out of myself, enjoy what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I can read the room, right, you know, in Mm -hmm. that work presentation, and I can see what I need to do, what I don't need to do, you know. Um, Same thing with Jettercise. You know, you you go into the room, am I dealing with new new people that have never done it before, or Mm -hmm. the familiar faces that, that know what they're doing, right? And you can cater things to that. And, and adapt appropriately. So, um, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit that jester, right? I love being on stage and, and uh, just joking and having fun. And I'm that same way at work. You know, you get me, I'll, I'll be that one to make that sarcastic comment or that joking comment <laughs> on, on a work call where we're trying to deal with something, right? You know, and mm-hmm. so that's why I, I think I'm very, very similar in those aspects. And I think part of that too, when, when it comes to jettercise instructing, um, I'm just going to say two things is that one, we're teaching, right? I'm, I'm up there teaching 
how uh, maybe a different choreography or a different routine or maybe what muscle you're doing or how to do something different so that you don't harm yourself, right? So um, that, that you don't, you know, plie the wrong way and, and blow out your knees or something, yeah. right? You know, or you don't hurt your back, whatever, right? Work is that same way. And, and you know, you want, I want to make sure that the care that my team members and coworkers are doing are that they don't hurt the customer. They don't, they, they make sure that they're getting satisfaction out of the work that they're doing. And my job says customers are getting satisfaction out of their exercise. And so that teaching part of me is mm -hmm. it, on stage at exercise and the same thing at work. It's, it's uh, very, very similar in that aspect there for me. And so that's where I like doing both of those things. Mm -hmm. um, the physical aspect of exercise is completely different, right? You know, uh, mm -hmm. you're, you're huffing and puffing, you're sweating, mm -hmm. and it's one hour a day where you can forget about the world, right? I can forget about that, that project that we're doing at work, right? You know, mm -hmm. and so... Um, if, if anything, that's where there's that night and day aspect where I can go a little bit into the gyrocise and be more creative than the work aspect. But at the same time, I can be just as much at work depending on the day, you know? So, right. Yeah. Huh. Well, um, I wonder if you have any tips, because another thing that comes up for tech people so often, especially leaders, is they're just working so long hours uh -huh. into the night and they're not getting staying fit i mean uh -huh. as somebody who teaches exercise do you have a tip for any of these folks who might be listening man um that's a hard one uh you know because a, a big model that i commonly say is just don't stop moving right mm -hmm. you know okay um i don't I, I mean this might be a super super nerdy tip but if you don't have your 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 smartwatch that is reminding you to get up and move your butt every hour, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm an Apple Watch fan. Yeah. You know, get, get 10 minutes from now, it's going to warn me that, hey, you yeah. need to get up and stand around, right? You know, <laughs> um, yeah. it, it, it's a one pre becoming a exercise instructor. I was addicted to exercise. I just liked the movement, right? Mm -hmm. um, I would say for me, as an instructor now, it kind of forces me to do it. I don't want to say yeah. force because I'm not, I don't, I absolutely do not force myself to go to data science, right? Mm -hmm. It's something I love to do. Um, but if anything, it, it set that time away, like force yourself, put that item on your calendar so that people can't schedule that meeting with you, right? Mm -hmm. Set that time, like my calendar is blocked off every day, 545 to 645, right? Mm -hmm. You know, to be at data science. Nobody schedules meetings. I know it's at the end of the day, but I even have classes where I'll randomly teach at nine o'clock in the morning. That's mm -hmm. still a calendar item that, you know what? People at work know just how just important exercise is to me as Make-A-Wish work is to me. Right. So I've, I've made sure I've communicated that with them. Hey, you know what? This is physical and mental health to be there. And if I can get that one hour of exercise in a day, sometimes it's at nine o'clock when we have to have that other meeting because I'm filling in for another instructor. That to me is just as important. And they know that I've communicated that to my coworkers that I have to make time for that every day. And so wow. yeah. if anything, I would say communicating that physical exertion fitness need to your coworkers would be that's, my tip. Yeah. That don't, is, don't, yeah. Don't, 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 don't be scared that you need to take care of yourself and share, share with people that you need to take care of yourself. Right. Yeah. You know, people will get it. They'll, they'll, they'll really understand that. Hey, yeah. Okay. 
He's going to go do his dancing thing, but you mm-hmm. know what, when he comes back, he's going to be mentally more strong because of it. Yeah. That, I mean, I, you couldn't have said it better is, is to, to make that a priority and communicate the priority, but mm-hmm. also by doing that as a leader, you are communicating that that is an important priority for humans mm-hmm. and for them to do too, to find a way to stay mentally and physically fit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, Matt hasn't asked me, but Matt's one of my team members, the one who was playing hockey, yeah. right? You know, if, if he ever says to me and says, hey, you know what? I have this hockey practice thing I need to do. It's at three o'clock today. Can I go? Heck yeah. That, yeah. It's like a no brainer, right? Go take care of that thing that you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, share it, right? And, and, and feel good with what you're doing because that means I know most likely, I don't say no, but there's that chance that you're going to give that as much dedication and care back to your regular job. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're uh, in good shape, you're more likely to, yeah. And there's tons of research on exactly. that. So yep, yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much. I mean, if, um, if people want to get in touch with you, how would you like them to get in touch with you or to be able to make a donation to make a wish to? Yeah. So, uh, making a donation to make a wish, uh, go to wish.org mm-hmm. W I S H.org. That's the easiest way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, any, any donation, any amount is, is greatly appreciated. Um, on average, it's about $10,006 to grant one wish. Oh, interesting. Um, and so anything, any, any little bit of helps, you know, grant that wish to a kid. So, uh, any, thank you very much for that. Um, and getting a hold of me, the best thing is through my email. My email is K-M-A-N at blargo.net, B-L-A-R-G-O.net. Um, shoot me an email anytime. That, that's my personal email address. So I can take anything and everything from there. So. Great. I will have that in the show notes too. So people can look that up to reach you. Okay. Uh, well, Keith, this has been a pleasure. I mean, you have just shared so many valuable tips from, you know, having fun at work to thinking of people as humans, to taking care of yourself, to yes. uh, having a mission to make the world a better place. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me, Joni. You know, as, as you see me in class on a regular basis, I always like to, to end things with um, go out there and, and take care of your friends and your neighbors. I always pick a random letter. You know me at the mm-hmm. end of class. I yeah, pick a random letter. Find somebody in your phone with the last name of C and text that person. Just that <laughs> random person that you haven't talked to in three months, six months, a year, right? Mm-hmm. Scroll through your phone and find that person and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I miss you. I love you. Uh, be friendly, right? Reach out to that person and you'll feel good on the inside. You'll make them feel really good on the inside too. And all in all, the world will be a better place. Thank you so much, Keith. And uh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, What a way to think of others on the way out. So thank you. And also just thanks to our viewers and listeners. And uh, we're here at reinventingnerds.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Reinventing Nerds and encourage you to apply what you learned to help you communicate better. For a free consultation with Joni to see how she can help you further, please visit ReinventingNerds.com. Until then, embrace your inner nerd and remain true to yourself while you develop your communication strategies.